Hello and welcome to See Positive, Be Positive, the podcast with your host, Greg Osler. This is episode three, letting people in, letting others help. We are on a journey of healing and this requires breathing deep and taking just one step at a time. Mental health is such a wide spectrum of experience in this adventure. It is connected to everything we do, think, and feel. I always have more to say every time I jump into conversation regarding emotional well-being in our society. There is so much social stigma and cultural taboo in finding wellness and stability, whether it's how we spend our time giving back to us, who we talk to about our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, or how we process and reflect on our daily experiences. A common theme I'm hearing and seeing in others, as well as reflecting within myself, is the struggle of giving ourselves the attention we desperately desire in the tumultuous environments we find ourselves living in. As I've explored my thoughts and experiences to figure out just what to share and how to convey my own understanding and perspective of taking care of ourselves and engaging in self-care, I found myself heavily focused on and drawn to the idea of letting people in. This is something that I truly struggle with and I need to explore. I'm talking about the act of allowing others to help in whatever capacity that may be, so that when we are able to turn the attention back on ourselves, we can give everything we have and possess those resources and support from those around us. We're not talking about traditional self-care, however. I want to explore what it takes to truly prepare to give ourselves the attention we need and deserve. That is difficult without allowing others to give us just a little bit of encouragement, motivation, or direction. I want to begin with clarifying support versus self-care. While self-care is still giving support to ourselves, the difference I want to explore is the them versus me mentality, meaning who is doing the work? Are those around me doing the work for me, or am I doing this for myself? I am talking about the external versus internal support here, what we can and cannot give to ourselves with the desire to dive into the external support the energy that the world around us can provide and give back. This starts with the who and how. The question, who can and how do others provide external support for us, is my focus. At first glance, the concept sounds simple. People can serve, encourage, empower, educate, maybe remind. And yes, people do all of that for us. I'm talking about the external support on a deeper level, a more vulnerable level, And it almost rephrases the question with a very specific change. Who can and how do others provide external support for us in healthy, appropriate, and emotionally connected ways that will sustain me, that will fill my soul with a greater understanding of not only the goodness in the world, but also my own worth and remind me that I can do hard things. This makes the question much longer, complicated, and in so many ways more intentional and reflective. People can make dinners, do yard work, watch our children so we can run errands. The support I believe we need to acknowledge and understand more fully is not the service people render, though it is incredibly amazing to receive that support. I'm talking about the support from a lens of attunement. What is attunement? It might be a word you haven't heard before. Attunement is connection and empathy and compassion, and it is so much more than that. Attunement is the innate ability to pick up on the subtleties of responses and in turn respond in a way that truly identifies the sense of how you are feeling in that moment. This gets deep. Attunement between two people 
is the act of one person truly understanding and experiencing the other. The emotional connection and chemistry that occurs that brings two people together. Not in a romantic sense, but in a soul-binding sort of way. So digging in, attunement is seeing, being aware of, and responding in a way that allows you to stop, step out of the chaos, whatever that may look like, for just a minute and catch your breath. Attunement does not require words or actions, but rather the opposite. It requires not doing or saying anything and simply being present. Thinking back to my introduction in episode one, I talk about this a little bit with bystanders and how, this, how we support the grieving. Us walking in with an agenda in how we will support is supporting you, your discomfort, being able to give back and do service. Supporting others is observing, bringing your awareness to the here and now, and then formulating your plan only after you've assessed the situation and the environment. Attunement allows support to transform from giving tangibles and talking to being present and connecting. This is the healthy support we can provide for others and others can provide for us. I'm not saying that other support is not good enough or needs to change. I think it's incredible. I think it needs to be a combination of the two. And for it to be genuine, it truly requires that it's not about checking off a box or completing a task, but rather being present. This is the difference between transactional and relational connections. If I'm focused on the task or objective, I'm giving all of my attention to the transaction, completing the sale. We often see parent-child relationships appearing to be transactional when a child asks for money, asks for a ride, asks permission. It's often based on whether they've completed chores, homework is, is done, or the activity details they provided for their parents. This is simply part of relationships. This is that tangible support, what we can give. Parents are like ATMs. Parents focus on the transaction by completing the, the sale. The yes, the no. It goes deeper than that into relational connections. If you have a relationship with your child or your parent, you are able to transform the transactional interactions into relational connections by changing just one thing. That is ensuring that you are spending time and talking about the transaction, talking about the transaction rather than providing an instant yes or no. This because of the pressure of immediacy in today's world. When our kid comes up to us and asks for money, asks to do something, asks for help, and we are stuck doing work, focused on something else, distracted by the world around us. Maybe that's the dishes. Maybe that's housekeeping. Maybe that's making dinner. We often want to focus on the yes or no, getting them content so that we can then return our focus to what we're doing. We want to complete the interaction rather than engage in the interaction. The emotional connections in our lives always carry with them so much more significance and power than the simple transaction we're often connecting about. It's about the content. It's about the intent behind our interactions. There are many books that talk about this. One of them is Hold On To Your Kids by Gabor Mate, a book around attachment, around connection, and around invitation, something we don't often focus on. When we are engaging with our kids, we are looking at the transaction to be completed when we say yes or no right off the bat. 
our kid asks for money, we say, no, I'm busy. I'll talk to you later. Rather than saying, hey, let's hear more about that. Hold on to your kids is, is focused on the, the juvenile, the young, the, the naive, the adolescent almost, but more of a, you know, the, the toddler type getting to know your child, but beginning early so that when your kid is an adolescent, they're not about the transaction, but they're about the relationship. Pretty phenomenal book that I encourage so many people to read, even if your kid's a little bit older. Even if you don't have kids who are currently in the home, it's about relationships, it's about connection, invitation, and about inviting them in rather than sending them away. Oftentimes, for one more little tidbit on this, when we are disciplining kids, when we're giving instruction or kind of creating the the space of authority and parenting, and our child does something wrong, we often send them away. We send them to their room because if we're with them, we are frustrated. We're having that emotional experience and it's overwhelming. It's distracting. We can't get done what we need to do. So we say, hey, go to your room. We ground kids. I was grounded quite often, but in a different sense, in more of a invitation to reflect sense where if we take our kid's phone, we say, hey, because you've done this, I'm taking your phone for a week. Our child, because they're focused on the transaction, are now upset. They don't have their phone. They're not upset about what they've done. There's not remorse. There's not, there's not frustration. There's lack of connection. And so they, let, they stop caring. Within this, your child's going to wait out that consequence. They're going to wait a week. They're going to wait until you become so uncomfortable with that experience of them not having access or connection that you're going to give it back. You're going to give in. You're going to say, okay, fine. You've done great for these first couple of days. Here's your phone back. These are not principle-based consequences. They're contrived. They're ideas of how do we, how do we encourage and motivate our kids? Well, that's taking technology. There's so much focus on technology today that when we want to kind of influence and impact our kids, we take things, we ground them, we restrict them. When what we really need to do is the opposite. We need to give them opportunities. We need to give them opportunities to connect with us. We need to give them opportunities to connect with those around them rather than connecting with whatever it is that's in their room that they find. Whether that's other technology, that's music, that's not you. You're not able to connect if your child's not with you. Hold on to your kids. It's about inviting them into your space, your bubble, putting your agenda aside to allow them to be part of you. That's part of attunement. That's understanding what they need and giving back. Some of you are going to roll your eyes at this next piece. When I truly take time to reflect on my own patterns of allowing others into my life, into my circle of support and trust, I imagine the scene from Disney's Frozen, where Anna is trying to talk her sister, Elsa, and begs her to stop running away. Anna is trying to persuade and convince Elsa to work together and conquer the past, the experience of separation and fear, and just as I have grown accustomed to, and actually I'm pretty good at, Elsa expresses concern that her sister, those around her, will be better off without her, pushing her away, creating distance between them. As they continue through their scenario, Anna helps Elsa, or attempts to help Elsa, gain understanding of what she's missing while she's been hiding and avoiding. It turns out Elsa does not have control or know how to change what's happening to their little town. The two sisters continue back and forth, Anna with the light of hope and Elsa with the darkness of the reality of how the powers have gotten out of hand. Elsa runs away, creating even more distance between her and her sister. This is my pattern almost exactly. 
I just don't have the ice cream powers. I avoid, I push people away. I talk a really good game and let people think they're able to help me. And then I run. I share very little of my experience with others and I think I can do it myself. It's kind of an Anna Elsa conversation happening in my own mind as I battle with the support others have offered and my own stubbornness of the reality of why it's so difficult to let people in. I've given this a lot of thought. I've tried to provide answers for those around me. And I'm sure some of you also have a similar experience. I've always thought it was shame. Shame about how I have lost control. Shame about how I lose people and connections in buckets and I build relationships in drops. While I believe this is part of it, I also acknowledge the anger and hatred of the situation I'm in. Unfortunately, I take that on my relationships because it's too difficult at times for me to truly address. I am asking for support. I am pleading for support when I am pushing people away, yet my communication does not represent that. I fill my time with stuff and distance and distraction, and I know it's not healthy. Deep inside, I blame myself. I blame myself for my experience. The grief, the loss, the death. I blame myself and I can justify that blame and convince myself I don't blame myself enough as I push and push and create distance even within myself. Any of you know this feeling? If you do, I'm sorry. I want you to know that there's a way. I am still trying to find it though. Why is it so difficult to let people in. I'm not sure my thoughts are sound in this because I have a very biased opinion. I drive people in the opposite direction. Remember that comment from episode two about bravery, knowing when to change direction even when everyone's heading in the same direction? Well, everyone else is turning around. And because of my shame and anger, I keep going. I think it's because I need to prove something to the world, even though the world's not keeping score. With this idea of letting people in and allowing them to support in whatever way they can, I am caught being curious about the idea and almost expectation of vulnerability before support. By this, I mean my thoughts wander to the idea that before others are willing to support, before others are willing to acknowledge the truth of pain and the chaos of life, one must disclose the details and specifics of what's going on or support is not given. I've been asked many times, What's going on? How are you? I say I'm good. Nothing's up. And because I can fake that so well, I am not communicating that I need support, so it goes unnoticed. People don't know what to do when someone's rejecting them. People don't know what to do when you're not giving them opportunities. This comes from the concept of attunement that I shared earlier. People do not always see the struggle. People do not always know how to experience that with you because we get really good at hiding it. People often hear stories from others that lead them to offering support to the struggling. I unfairly project my doubts rather than believing there's good in this world and I hide even more. I know there's good. I struggle with allowing people to be part of my life because I'm stuck in the fear that I'm undeserving that support because I push away and I desi- deny others the opportunity to serve. 
Digging into this concept just a little bit more, I feel it important to identify why it's critical to let people in. Yes, I absolutely did just say it is critical. I know I'm also telling you that I'm terrible at it and I'm working on it. I have to be patient. I know I will figure it out if I give it the attention it needs. So back to the question, why is it so critical to allow people in? I'm sure many of you can answer that question without me saying anything. And I hope that if this question stumps you, you're not, if you're not able to answer, pause the podcast. Take time to explore it. It's not just a simple question. I want you to ask yourself, why do I need people in my life? And the question, what do I need in my life that I cannot provide for myself? Now that you're back after some self-reflection, I ask again, why it is so difficult to allow people in to provide support for us. Take your answers on this journey of self-discovery and see if there are bits of change that are needed on your end. People want to help you. We are a people of independence and autonomy. We can be self-sufficient until the idea of codependency and letting someone else do the hard work for us sounds a bit more appealing because that happens too. We will take advantage of the kindness of others, sometimes subconsciously, because we live in the limbic system of our brains, the mammalian brain, the hind brain, the fight, flight, and freeze epicenter. If it takes less energy, is less overwhelming or emotional, and requires less attention, we will do it without much thought. It is thought and process and an analyzing and critical thinking that leads to allowing others into our life. We struggle with letting people in because we know inside that other people are also battling something in their life. Them helping us distracts them from their work and pushing forward. This is back to that concept of my child comes and asks me for something. If I'm focused, if I'm doing a task, work, the dishes, dinner, I want to complete the transaction so I can get back to it. I have learned from many people, their work is done through selfless acts of service and support to others. Taking that time to pause our work to give back. A topic I will discuss in the future is love languages, an idea you may have heard of before, but the idea that we show and receive love in different ways and our hearts communicate in ways that our minds don't always comprehend. For many people, including myself, giving back is receiving attention from myself because there is satisfaction and peace in knowing those around me are also able to feel peace. If I can provide that for them, I will. The trick is allowing others to do that for you. You have to get out of your own way so other people can see theirs. I often share with the young men I work with professionally that they have work to do and no one else can do that work for them. This is true for you too. If you do your work, I will be right by your side supporting you. When you stop, I stop. Not because they stopped, but because they need support and you need support right where you stand. I want to be with you when you jump back up and get back to work. With this concept of support, I remind them and I remind you that when you stop working altogether, when you stop caring about yourself and your work, your support system and those around you stop caring too. It's a lot of effort investing emotional support into people when all we see is them wanting someone to pick them up and carry them. In life, this concept is true for each of us. When you stop caring, they stop caring too. Again, when you stop caring, when you stop giving attention to you, when you stop giving effort 
to the work that you're supposed to do, others will stop caring too. A phrase that stands out when we are exploring trauma, emotions, and the difficulties of life are, you're so brave. Episode two, all about bravery and courage. Being brave is taking one step at a time, knowing fear is staring you in the face. A truth about bravery as an action, bravery is not about weakness. It's about uncertainty. I may be brave and I may keep going. I don't always see my bravery. What I see is that I'm not a quitter. I'm not even going to give up. I am never going to give up because there's no other option. There's nothing else to do rather than continue your path. Being criticized for this at any point in one's life can be a huge barrier. You're not putting enough effort. You're not giving enough. You have so much potential. We are easily offended by others, which is a huge deterrent to accepting help from them. We will constantly receive feedback. Aristotle provided a sound reminder of getting away from the discomfort of feedback from others when he said, there's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. In true Greg fashion, I have to end with extending an invitation to engage in some additional reflection of your support system. You can agree that they're there. You have to let them in. Before you can do this, you need to know who your people are. You need to know your tribe. Grab a piece of paper, open up a note on your phone, find a space to write down and identify your support system, keeping in mind that not all support is healthy or encouraging you to move in the right direction. I want you to identify all the support you receive. Somehow, mark those that are healthy or positive. Respectfully mark those that are not as healthy or maybe encouraging you to walk in the wrong direction, or even those that don't encourage you to change course if it's not fulfilling to you. Think of the who, what, where, when, why, and how categories. Who is it? What are they doing? Where are they? When are they available or when do they help? Why in the world are they helping? And how can I let them in? This is not a two-minute activity. This is the beginning of your, fu- your support future. I want you to create a plan on how you will let them in and allow them to serve you in whatever capacity that becomes. Go ahead. Try doing nothing and see where it gets you. That's not who you are. You are strong. You are brave. Keep fighting. Never give up. Never surrender. I want to thank you for joining me on C Positive, Be Positive, the podcast. And I want to encourage you to reflect on what you've heard today. I want to challenge you to think of someone in your life who would benefit from our message and share it with them. We can share our light with others. Let your smile change the world. Mm-hmm.